Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Midlife AF. This week I am going to be talking about the very favourite question that I have when I'm working with my clients around booze and it is, why would you? I look forward to letting you into this precious little question. Over to me. If you're a woman in midlife whose intuition is telling you that giving booze the elbow might be the next right move, then Midlife AF is the podcast for you. Join counsellor, psychotherapist, this naked mind and grey area drinking alcohol coach Emma Gilmore for a weekly natter about parenting quirky teens, menopause, relationships and navigating this thing called midlife alcohol free. If you're feeling that life could be so much more, that you're sick and tired of doing all the things for everyone else, if your intuition is waving her arms manically at you saying, it could all be so much easier if we didn't have to keep drinking, come with me. Together we'll find our groove without booze. I lovingly acknowledge the Boonarung people of the Kulon Nation as the custodians of Kurt Barok. I share my admiration for the Aboriginal culture. I witness the connection that they have for each other and the land and their community. As I swim in the waters and walk on the land, I feel the power of this place. I'm grateful for the Aboriginal people's amazing custodianship, the power, beauty, and the healing potential of this place. I wish to pay special respects to the elders of the Boonarong people, their wisdom, guidance and support are exceptional and felt well beyond the Aboriginal community. I honour that this is Aboriginal land and that it has never been ceded. I am committed to listening to the Aboriginal community and learning how I can be an active ally in their journey to justice. Hello, my lovely ones. I hope you're all well. Welcome to this week's episode of Midlife AF. We're going to be talking about one of my very favourite questions and a little bit about the seasonal kind of time of year and how it can be so easy to think, oh, it's all just too hard. I don't want to do this anymore. I want to have a break. And why this question is really important in reframing our approach to alcohol from one of resistance and fear and worrying about what's going to happen tomorrow and worrying about our health and worrying about how we're going to behave and how a hangover is going to feel and turning that into choosing to do something in the moment because we understand that in the moment this is going to make us feel better. And it's a really tricky one because so many of us have so much conditioning that we genuinely feel that it is safer to drink and become slightly intoxicated than it is to be with what our experience is of the world. And so let's have a, let's get into it. Um, I'm going to try and keep to the half hour mark today because my kids have, or even less actually, less time. So 
have to try and be succinct. But so the question I ask a lot of my clients when, and I find one of the reasons that people get really struck, stuck with booze is their reasons for stopping drinking aren't about the present moment. They're about the future. And they're based on kind of cognitive knowing. So people always say to me, like, I know all the stuff. Why do I still keep making the same decisions? And the answer is because it's not your cognitive brain that is working when you are heightened and in your nervous system is dysregulated and you're having a craving because cravings are basically us resisting a, an emotion. So we're having an experience, it's uncomfortable for us. And so we resist it and that becomes a craving. And so then you start that tug of war between the wine savior and the judgment part of us that's like, no, you mustn't do that. Oh, and this, you know, Annie talks about it, you know, what got us here isn't going to get us there. So we've been taught and conditioned by society that being mean to ourselves, you know, really sort of having an awful time, you know, girding our loins. I don't know if that's probably really inappropriate, but like, you know, knuckling down for, you know, everything that we do that's going to be worthwhile has got to be hard and awful. And, you know, the way to success is to be really harsh with ourselves and to just drive ourselves into the ground. And look, all of the research, as we know, and I talk about this all the time, shows that that's absolutely not the way to create change. Um, not the way to create sustainable change. Now, a lot of us, people, particularly people who get stuck in the drinking situation, and by that, I don't mean heavy drinkers, but I mean people who really, really struggle with the concept that life couldn't be really good and then without alcohol and really have very firmly rooted that alcohol is keeping them safe, basically. And look, there's loads of really good reasons for that. And everything we do has a reason. And this is another reason why we need to come to this with compassion for ourselves and also compassion for our loved ones. If we are experiencing other human beings in our world who are struggling to alter a behavior that is causing them and the people around them harm. Because a lot of the time it's our much, much younger selves, our much more primal selves trying to keep us safe from harm. And, you know, the body and mind is very, very clever. Um, but also it's not necessarily got a good grasp on what's happening in the present because everything that we do, all our reactions to situations are based on our experiences in the past and the sort of coding that we have like so this happens this reminds us of this we make that mean this we have this emotional response we don't like this emotional response we drink to escape it so this is kind of like the pattern and a lot of the time the judgment part of us doesn't let us have that emotional response so let's say we're angry with a work colleague and the other, you know, our judgment part of us might say, well, 
you know, it doesn't matter. Just let it go. So, but what it's doing actually is kind of dismissing our experience, and so we can't have it. And so, what we what we need to be able to do is find practices and ways that we can learn to have and process and move through our emotions. Because the difficulty is, as Gabor Mate says, if we were never, and this is, you know, people get very tied up in this, and I talk about this a lot. People get very tied up in the idea that referring back to charges is blaming parents for things that they didn't get right it's absolutely not it's absolutely part of the human condition and it's very much part of the way that we have to look at ourselves when we get things wrong as well it's like we can't get everything right we're not perfect we're learning and you know a lot of people when they stop drinking look back on their lives and they're like oh I wish I hadn't I wish I'd learned this earlier you know I wish I hadn't done this I wish I hadn't done that but we at all times, we're doing the best we can with the information we have, right? And once we know better, we can do better. But until we do, we don't know any different. And also, there's all sorts of cultural considerations and trying to keep ourselves and our kids safe, yeah? So I think it's really, it holds us back from opening and healing when we get defensive about our parenting and our parents' parenting, because we're all just a product of our conditioning, right? So, you know, what Gabor says is, um, depending on how we were nurtured as a very young child. So for example, I used controlled crying, which I wish I never did with my kids. Um, they fought against it with every bone in their body um, and didn't fit the mold. But what he basically says is like when kids cry themselves to sleep, what actually happens is they give up. So it's like no one's coming. This is never going to end. And that's how it feels then when we have a heightened emotion. It's like no one's coming. This is never going to end, which is why it feels catastrophic to people, because the way to heal addictive behaviors and I'm not necessarily talking about drinking but I'm talking about anything that we do to get ourselves away from feeling our feelings being our authentic self anything that we do the the, the, the route to heal that is to learn to reparent ourselves and to learn to be able to hold ourselves in our distress hold ourselves when we're happy hold ourselves when we're not so happy and know that it will pass and the only way that you learn that is by being modeled it by your caregiver so for example if you were only fed you were breastfed but you were only fed at certain times you know it might be that you, you that you have a different um you know you have to take what you can get when you get it and you there's a lot there's, you know there's all sorts of things that sort of lead into this and when I first heard them I was like oh this is really sexist I'm not I'm not buying into this but really again it, that's another reaction it's not really sexist at all it's 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 kind of scientific and it's really about attachment about love about nurturing and also knowing that we're not going to get this stuff right you know we can't be there all the time you know feeding on demand all the time it's impossible for us to do that and it might be for some people but for most of us it's not possible at all so you know a part of our growth part of our development is learning you know from the mistakes of our families repairing them and showing our children that we can learn and change and you know do something differently you know this is such an important thing so the you know the big part of 
of being in the moment, being present, which again, I talked to in regards to managing ourselves over the seasonal period as well, sort of Christmas holidays and the summer for Australia, is this this concept of being in present. So if we're constantly busy, we're full of stress and we are, you know, accommodating everybody else's needs which often happens putting sort of really superficial things as hugely important comparing ourselves to other people staying too long at things feeling like we're selfish if we put our own needs first and ending up coming out of the holiday period feeling frazzled feeling you know, really spent and even more exhausted than we went out. And for those of us who have had a, you know, the tough few years that we've had, you know, we, we're still recovering from the experience of COVID, the collective trauma of that. And we're all, everybody I speak to is just so tired. And we're just so tired. And a lot of the reason why people say, you know, it'd be easier to drink at Christmas is just because they're tired of trying. And the trying, the resistance, the pushing, the traditional way, the contracting, the controlling, the fear-based methodology to stopping drinking, of course it's exhausting because you're trying not to do something. Now, you know, all ancient wisdom tells us that, you know, if we put not in front of a set of something, what actually happens is we start our the universe and our world starts conspiring for us to have the thing that we're trying not to get because the universe doesn't get not, you know? So anything that's coming from fear, contraction, is gonna be willpower-based and is not going to be something that helps us in the moment. And this is why we need to get into this really important question, which is why would I? Now, I can totally see how this can be taken as a slightly patronizing question. So if someone said, why would I, you know, like I, you're an idiot and, you know, it, it, but it's not like that. What it actually means is it's in the really honest answer to why would I, that is where the gold is, because that is where we're making the decision in the moment. And, you know, it's not about flipping negative to positive it's not about saying you know I wouldn't because I want to feel fit and I want to be because those kind of goal-based um methodologies are no they're not very helpful in terms of um changing our um our relationship with anything any kind of transformation really needs to be emotion-based because we're emotion-based human beings so we need to want to do something because we want to do it right now because not doing it would be painful for us like not doing it sorry would to do it would be the the painful piece sorry that I just really confused that I'll start again so the question is why would I so let's say why would I drink I would drink so I'll give you an example let's say you've overcommitted and you're doing because I was really surprised I met with my uh, dentist the other day and she was telling me what her Christmas is like. And since I've stopped drinking and since I've sort of gone down my neurodivergency kind of journey 
and also sort of you know with my kids and their own struggles that they've been having too I've really really had to put my needs and the needs of my family first and yes I'm in the lucky situation and I shouldn't, shouldn't say this but that my family's abroad um so we don't have that sort of close family um and there's pluses and minuses to that um, but also when people come, they come to stay for a long time. <laughs> um, but, you know, this this idea of why would I is about why in the moment would I? Because it's in there that's your gold. That's the information that you want to understand because that's where you're going to get your transformation. So if I would because I find this thing boring, that's information. So why would I do that? So alcohol makes it feel like it's not boring. Why does it do that? It does that because it takes me away from myself. Now, my doorbell is about to go. Ah. So I'll just try and finish this really quickly. So why does it do that? It does it because it takes me away from myself. Why do I want to be away from myself? Because I don't like this situation. It's uncomfortable. I don't enjoy it. I'm exhausted. I'm an introvert, whatever it is. And so then you're realizing, okay, so alcohol helps me escape from that situation. So that's why I would want to do it. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about hangovers. That's just like, that's not good. That doesn't help. What I care about is why you want to do something in the minute. In the minute you want to do it and you're wanting to do it because you don't like the feeling and you don't like the feeling because you've never been taught to be with the feeling or you're doing something you don't want to do and you're using alcohol to enable you to do that. And so then we can start to make some decisions about our lives, you know, in order to do, and I always say this, in order for you to stop drinking, you have to matter. You have to matter. You don't just get to matter. You have to matter. And we have to start unpicking all these obligations and these concepts of what's okay and what's not okay. So many of these beliefs are things that we've held from childhood around, you know, people being reliable, people showing up when they said they would, um, you know, people going out of their way to, you know, sacrifice for their families and you know these kind of things um so one thing I would just say to you guys is look it's a lie that it's easier to not drink over the Christmas period it's not true it's your brain telling you to do something because it's what you've always done but there are so many other options, you know, and I would suggest more than any time taking a 30 day break from alcohol is one of the very best things that you could do in the lead up to Christmas in order to keep your um, keep your thinking brain online, um, protecting, protect yourself, being present with your other the humans in your life, you know, because. This is the other thing. If we're in the present, we're okay. It's only once we are future or past, you know, ruminating or sort of catastrophizing that everything goes to pit, to the to pots, to pot. And also, you know, overcommitting ourselves, not looking after ourselves, not giving ourselves space. But I can't recommend more than anything is not to go back to drinking. It's not going to make anything easier for you. All it's going to do is take you away from the people you love and allow you to suppress your needs. 
And, you know, suppressing your needs is so much worse than anything. And the fact that we find alcohol safer than feeling our feelings, that shows us that we've got work to do. We've got work to do in learning to be with ourselves in our distress. So things we need to try, you know, we need to do some grounding. We need to go for a walk without having our headphones in, listening to things. We need to slowly build up, but we need to make time for ourselves. You know, we need to give, we always are, we come last, don't we? Everything goes out the window and then we end up so exhausted and we deserve to have a nice Christmas time, whether you celebrate Christmas or not, holiday period with our friends and family where we're not, you know, pushing ourselves so bloody hard to please everybody, to do all these things that half the time nobody even cares about. You know, we can get ourselves in such a frazzle about wrapping paper and starters and, you know, what can you do less of? How can you make this easier? How can you, how can you, what can you delegate? What can you just get rid of? You know, what can you just do that and does it need to be everybody and if it does how do you make that easier now could you stay in an airbnb rather than staying with the people that you might be staying with do you have to organize the social events do you have to just agree to go along to all the social events or could you be part of organizing them and make them things that are actually going to bring you health vitality you know could it be that you go for a swim and a coffee could it be that you go for a a walk instead of doing these sort of evening events that nobody really wants to go to and has to drink to get through you know same with the work stuff you know really a lot of these the reason why we do all these things comes out of scarcity it's not always we think it is when we're drinking but once you stop drinking you realize that it's not really necessarily about um about wanting to do things it's often about being scared that if you don't do them something will happen or someone will think something of you anyway I'm going to leave that with you but I can't recommend more than anything else to take a 30-day break if you're not already there because you will get more space in your head you will stop thinking about alcohol you'll have made a decision and you know that you've got that now until the until Christmas basically and beyond and it will just allow you to make decisions that are using your brain not your limbic system and it will allow you to plan and and you really look at all the things that you did last year I really recommend this look at all the things you did last year and things that you had to drink to get through they are not fun you don't enjoy those things (laughs) work out why what you can change you don't have to not go to things you just maybe you just go for two hours maybe you you know Maybe you do a walk instead, you know, maybe you all go for a swim and a breakfast, who knows? Anyway, I'll leave that with you, my treasures. Have a good one and um, I'll see you next week. Bye. And just before you go, I have a really cool little product, which might be great for anybody wanting to take a 30 day break in the lead up to Christmas. I've put together three of my favorite products that are things that you can do yourself in your own time. One is the self-paced Aussie alcohol experiment. Um, which is your 30-day program with the videos and journaling. Very transformational. It's what stop, what I stopped drinking using. And then I've got two brilliant pre-work pieces that go can go with that, which is the awareness worksheets, which is you take a bit of time just beforehand just to kind of look at all your um, 
routines and rituals and the reasons why you might be drinking. So that's really, really useful to have that piece of information before you start. And then the other part of it is um, a North Star visualization, which is based in the sound psychological research that we don't move towards something we don't feel good about. And so it's about imagining what the future might look like when you've done your 30 days and you feel really great and, you know, what might be different, what might change so that you can start to have that imagination. Your brain can start getting its head around the idea that this actually might be something that's really cool. Um, so the three of them together, I'm offering them as a pack for this summer um, and they're 40 bucks reduced from 47. I think they were before. So um, I definitely recommend um, taking some time off alcohol in the lead up to Christmas. It's one of a very, very stressful time and you want to have your wits about you and you want to be able to make really good decisions and be present with your family. And yeah, so um, I'll leave that with you. All right, link will be in the show notes. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Midlife AF with Emma Gilmore. If you enjoyed it, please share on Instagram for your friends and tag me at Hope Rising Coaching. If you want to help me grow the podcast, please review the episodes for me on Apple Podcasts. That really helps. If you would like to work further with me, please go to my website, www.hoperisingcoaching.com for my free and paid programs or email me at emma at hoperisingcoaching.com. Sending a massive cuddle to you and yours from me and mine. And remember to keep choosing you.